0: More new DeAndre Ayton reporting coming first thing Monday morning, indicating that DeAndre Ayton more likely than not to move teams this summer from John Hollinger at the Athletic. We'll break the whole thing down on today's episode of Locked On Suns. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Kleen, a credential media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons and a writer at suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. Happy new week. No three-day weekend this time, but we all are making it through anyway. And... The Media Machine gave us a little bit to talk about. So we have a busy show today. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast platform. Hit follow, hit subscribe there. Do not miss a show. And if you're finding us on YouTube, that's the very best way to support the show. Hit subscribe down below and leave me a comment telling me what you think about this new John Hollinger report about DeAndre. Do you think it's something? Do you think it's just completely ignore it? Do you think it's somewhere in the middle? Let me know. But let's dive in. I'll read the report to you. Again, it's John Hollinger at The Athletic. He's the former general manager of the Memphis Grizzlies. He is the former uh, columnist at ESPN. So I'll read it to you in just a sec. Today's show guy brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix.com. Use the code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. More from them later in the show. All right. Quote from John Hollinger, I was skeptical until I started talking to a few more people recently. Now, I think it's more likely than not that he, as in DeAndre Ayton, is in a new destination next season, especially if the Suns can work out a sign-in trade that brings back some value. For whatever reason, I don't think Phoenix is totally comfortable going forward with him on a big money deal, and I think Ayton might be okay with going somewhere else if he can have a bigger offensive role. So, I'll go into that sort of second part in terms of the for whatever reason chunk there because I don't think it's actually as confusing as John Hollinger is making any of that sound. This was buried, just for context here, guys, as well. This was buried deep, not deep, but too deep for my liking, in a QA about the Pistons with the Athletics beat writer for Detroit. Very bizarre packaging. On this thing, uh, not exactly the place that our brains as sports fans are usually trained to scour for little nuggets about our team. But more power to them, more power to John Hollinger, tucking this whole thing into a QA and a about the Pistons. But he says it there, you know. He says it fairly concretely. Maybe he just didn't realize it was, uh, it was news. I don't know. I guess his editors didn't either. But either way, it obviously made a lot of... Um, it got a lot of attention, and rightly so, and I, I do think there's a lot worth digging into here. Bottom line to me, in terms of what this means, or how we should be thinking about it, is that it's it's another piece of evidence in what is becoming a pretty big pile of evidence that the Suns are going to strongly consider moving DeAndre Ayton. Now, maybe that sounds obvious, because that's basically what John Hollinger just said, but 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 roll with me here, because it's not the first one, is my point. So we had, uh, well, first, I guess even before Woj, the day after Game 7, I should go back even further than that to both Monty and Devin Booker being given the opportunity over the span of Sunday and Monday, Game 7 and the following day, to lay claim to DA and say he's our guy, we are going to keep him, we're going to work it out, we want to go to battle with him again next year, all that stuff that they could have said that we hear said often in these situations, was just flat out not said. So that's obviously when our when our antenna went up the first time. In addition to the the you know the spat during the game that night. Then that Monday, you had Adrian Wojnarowski saying uh, there would be a market, and teams felt that DeAndre Ayton was gettable. I mean, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but indicated there would be a very strong and aggressive market for Ayton. Then a little while later, you had Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report with additional details about the issues between Monty And Ayton. Jake also reiterated that rival NBA teams felt like they could get him, could make a move, and and actually pull this off. Um, Now, this, John Hollinger, another prominent connected NBA person, maybe a little bit less than Woj or Jake Fisher, but another one here who feels it's a strong possibility. Hollinger's not always the type to break news, which is probably why it came in this weird format in this QA, but he obviously moved in these circles. He he negotiated directly and, and talked directly about deals with some of the people still in the league, many of the people still in the league. So that's another one. Now that's three people in addition to people you know, like Monty and, and Book who have direct input on it, directly giving us this vibe that this is not a sure thing. This is a real possibility. I know Suns fans are maybe not wanting to hear that, but at some point you just have to Confront it. I mean, it's just the reality. Um, similar to Hollinger, my thought always was from an on court standpoint and a leverage standpoint, the most logical sort of end game here was that the Suns just keep him, you know, roll it over. Maybe you eventually do trade him. I know, you know, if, if they had to match an offer, it would take a year. He'd have a no, no trade for a year. If they just gave him a contract themselves, they could trade him, uh, you know, basically right away, as far as I know. I thought that was what made the most sense. And I, I still think so in a vacuum. That's what makes the most sense, but that's not what this is. So as as these behind the scenes questions continue to linger, and we keep hearing people like John Hollinger, who are, you know, trustworthy, reliable sources, saying that they think this thing could really be over here, you just have to take it seriously. And that's my biggest takeaway from this, this latest batch of reporting. And it's been the thing I've I've been consistent on the whole time: is if there are true problems behind the scenes, that would be the one. The one thing that that would make me change my mind that it might not be the smartest and it might not be the most likely scenario anymore that they keep him and we're there we are we are hearing from all these different directions that there is something holding them up. Hollinger had a little bit on that as well, so that's where I want to go next. First, though, guys, today's show again brought to you by Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. We love Prize Picks here on the Daily Locked On podcast network, and that's because. Most daily fantasy games are uh, broken. Frankly, I mean, it's just a pain in the butt. You feel like you make an account, you make your, you, you set your lineup, and then, you know, there's these guys uh, and gals across the country or across the world or who knows where that they just do this for a living. They they juice it. They 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 pack it with. Okay, I'm going to set 25 lineups. Or I'm going to set 200 lineups, and I'm just going to own this pool and yeah some of the companies have tried to get around that but you don't like that dread in the back of your mind that you're getting played prize picks simplifies all that you pick two to five players and an over or an under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times your deposit entries can be made in 60 seconds or less safe and fast withdrawals on the back end and again simple not just because it's only two to five players and an over or an under but there's no opponent You're not competing to see who gets the most of them right. You're not against a pool. You're not in a league. It's none of that. It's you versus those projections, whether it's points scored, rebounds, and steals in the NBA Finals, or you could be going down to, what, MLS soccer, NWSL soccer. Maybe you you hit the over on goals for your favorite player in American soccer. I don't know. There are no shortage of sports going on right now, and Price Picks allows you to pick any of them, and you pick two to five, set the lineup, and that's it. Users will get $50 free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, of course, they will, if you use the code NBA when you make that deposit. Again, exclusive offer only available to Lockdown listeners who sign up today using the code NBA to get $50 free if and, of course, when a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. Gonna read from you guys for you guys one more thing from John Hollinger's piece about uh the why component of this. So I'll give my thoughts in a second, but here's what Hollinger wrote. In all seriousness, I think the question every team is asking is some version of what don't we know? Why is Phoenix reluctant to pay him? Is it just Robert Sarver being Robert Sarver, or is there something else going on here? Hollinger continues, I don't see a specific reason for his value to be down beyond the questions every front office will ask regarding what has turned the Suns off. So I'm going to have to repeat myself here because this seems to not be getting through to people outside of Phoenix, but for those of you who are wondering the same thing as Hollinger, I don't know if any of you are, but I'm just going to continue to stay on the same note here, which is the culture fit has never been perfect. This is not something that cropped up because he yelled at Monty after or during game seven. this That's not when this friction started. Um, I've told the story on this podcast a couple of times, I believe, about being in uh, down on the Sun's old practice court that used to be in the basement of the arena during the time in... I think late 2019 when DA had been suspended and he was scaling, they had this obviously because it was in the basement, very steep staircase that went down from the entry door, uh, the door that was basically closest to the locker rooms staircase down to actually being at court level. You entered at arena level and then you had to go down further. He was climbing this thing along the wall, not, up the stairs, but up the wall and then over the railing while he's suspended. He's seven feet tall. He's a very valuable, his body is a very valuable thing to his career and the uh, fortunes of the Suns, and he's doing that while media is there. Getting suspended in the first place, I think, would would be a, a tick in that column. Um, missing the COVID test in the bubble, the flare-up during game seven, Uh, To a lesser extent, the video game controversy that was published in ESPN originally after between games five and six, that indicated uh, Aiton, you know, gets very little sleep sometimes and, and isn't always most focused on basketball day to day. I'm not saying he has to be. I'm not saying I know how much sleep he needs to get. But as I said, a lesser extent, but still very relevant. The culture fit has never been perfect. So why are other NBA teams so confused? I think that's the obvious other question because I'm reading this and as I said, it, it is another strong indicator that there's momentum behind the scenes for a parting of ways between Aiton and the Suns. But at the same time, you read this Hollinger report and you you read some of the other reporting in the background and things like that and there seems to be this like hesitancy. Like what, you know, should we go after him? Who's it going to be? Which teams might have interest? Hollinger saying he's surprised. Things like that. And it's like, I don't, i come away reading this feeling like, I don't know why NBA teams are so confused or shocked about any of this. There's that saying, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, it probably is a duck. I feel like in this case, it's like, if it feels like an unhappy star, if it looks like an unhappy star and sounds like one, it's probably an unhappy star. This general manager did not draft him. The Suns have never committed to making him a focal point on offense. They didn't extend him. Last fall, we know this. We also, I feel pretty comfortable saying that they explored trades for him at the deadline. Zach Lowe has said this. John Gambadoro locally has said this. I know some Pacers people have said that that Sabonis for Aiton rumor was more than a rumor. It was a real thing that got talked about. At some point, the, the friction, the tension, the the wiggliness of this uh, relationship between Aiton, a former number one overall pick, and I understand that complicates it or makes it hard to believe for some people, but that relationship at some point just is poor. I don't think we need to be cute or, or lie or disregard to ourselves the reality of that. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but the idea that Hollinger or other NBA people would be so confused by this is ridiculous again he's saying right here i don't see a specific reason for his value to be down why 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 do you not know that this is a guy who is i'm not even you know i'm not giving you guys these deeply reported behind the scenes things you guys know i'm not like nobody in this entire city who covers this team has that type of of deep-seated background stuff with this with this organization except gambo and we know where he's getting his news which is the very top like this stuff is, it's right there. So I, I don't understand it. And I guess it helps the Suns and it helps DeAndre Ayton. It helps the Suns have options and it helps Ayton have a, a leverage play a little bit that there are so many of these teams who are, you know, totally willing to do this and don't seem to, to see those problems. But it's bizarre. It reinforces probably more so than anything what I just said, which is this Suns, team, this Suns organization, is a very mysterious, hard-to-crack black box of sorts that that teams just don't seem to to know their way around. So, you know, there's a reason we haven't heard, you know, very strong, like, fully hatched-out trade possibilities here, you know? Like, I know Gambo was talking about the Pacers, but he was talking about the sixth overall pick, which... Um, that seems like a a lot to give up if I'm the Pacers and I already have a center and the, the idea of draft picks is, you know, kind of illegal because the trade can't happen until free agency. Now that Aiton is going to be headed into restricted free agency, which means that the, a, a trade of a draft pick would have to be like a, you know, handshake agreement under the table type of thing. The sun, the Pacers would like draft the guy, the sun's want and this and that. That's the only real concrete thing we've heard and it doesn't even really add up. We haven't heard, you know, even in this, this was a Pistons Q&A again and it's like a vague reference to like, oh, well, all, you know, the pathway would likely go through Jeremy Grant, blah, blah, blah. That's just like somebody reading the, you know, the collective bargaining agreement in their spare time and making a guess. I understand John, John Hollinger knows the CBA, I'm not saying he doesn't, but that's just, that's just guessing. That's just um, speculating. So... We have not heard any concrete trades. We we keep hearing so much of this sort of confusion and hesitancy and, and halfway, it, they'll have interest and that's kind of leave it at that stuff that uh, it makes me feel like we're going to be thrown for a loop, but let's get into that. Does this change anything? Does, it, does this new piece of information, I said that it reinforced what we've already been hearing. Is there anything different about it? We'll talk about that in just one second. First though, Today's show, guys, also brought to you by Built Bar. There's no better protein bar on the entire planet. I was listening to uh, Locked On Fantasy Basketball over the weekend because they've been doing some... Uh, Josh has been doing some draft profiles over there. And uh, look, I'm saying in the world. The best protein bar in the world. He lives in Australia, and he loves it too. Um, they have a new flavor. So you know the granola came out. You know Built Puffs. New flavor. So the original original type of bar, just packed with protein, chewy, nougat protein in the middle, covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, classic built bar, but new flavor, caramel brownie. Better than the dessert itself, and the macros are unreal. One, only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar, that is insanity. The brownie bars are some of my favorites, personally. We just ordered peanut butter brownie I've had mint brownie. They do these things amazing. They they taste perfectly like a brownie. Plus, brownies don't have to be super sugary, so you don't even notice it because the low sugar is natural for a brownie in the first place. The Bilt Bar just does it and does the protein on top of all of it. Again, caramel brownie will rock your world. Go to belt.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Again, caramel brownie. Just order a big box. That's it. That's all you got to know. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Does John Hollinger's reporting about the Suns and DeAndre Ayton, the fact that, again, quote, more likely than not to split up this summer, does this change anything? Well, obviously, uh, you could say it's the most specific concrete indication that this could happen, right? I mean, in and of itself, it's the most firmly, like the wording of it is like more likely than not. That sounds a lot different than Jake Fisher, for instance, saying, yeah, you know, Monty and DA don't really get along. These teams might be interested and leave it at that. This is Aiton might leave or like more likely than not, he will leave. That's, That's very strong. But I also, again, because Hollinger's, tendency is not to be like, you know, quadruple checking his sourcing and writing up a newspaper story about it that's going to go on the front page and, or I'm going to go on TV and, and talk about it. like that. that's not his role. You know, even the wording of it is I was skeptical. And so I, until I started talking to a few more people like that, <laughs> that in of itself makes me, it makes it hard. And the fact that it's in this Pistons Q and A, it makes it hard for me to like fully say Hollinger is coming out with this bombshell. I think it it's stronger, but it also to me feels more than anything like Hollinger just sort of realizing more deeply what's been to me, and I'm sure many of you, a legitimate possibility since the offseason started almost a month ago for the Suns. It's still, once again doesn't get us any clo- closer to knowing the Suns actual plans this this story did not have this article did not have concrete trade constructions that Hollinger was saying oh you know he more likely than not he's leaving and he's you know the Suns have talked with X team about X trade that's not what's happening here so in that realm of this whole situation we're not we're no closer at all to to knowing anything hollinger did though he did list a couple of trades that made sense to him. Um, one was Jakob Pertl and Keldon Johnson from the Spurs, which is a formation of a trade that I've talked about, sort of the, the general structure of a trade that I kind of like. Uh, he also talked about Jeremy Grant and Frank Jackson from Detroit in a, in a Pistons matchup, a Pistons pairing with the Suns in a sign-in trade. Again, I like the Pertl-Keldon option quite a bit because the sun's a replacement center and another young forward who can fill some of that tory craig role for them eventually jay crowder i don't i'm not on the jeremy grant thing that's part of why i haven't done an episode on it or really considered it all that much i don't i think that people talking about jeremy grant as a two-way player um, are sort of forgetting that his best defensive moments when he was just playing he had to do nothing on offense for those nuggets teams he was just playing off of uh, basically, you know, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, but he was getting overpowered by LeBron James and Anthony Davis and whatnot in those Conference Finals in the bubble. And you know, if he, I'm not saying it's easy to guard LeBron James or Anthony Davis, but Jeremy Grant as a a player who you're penciling in to be like a superpowered version of Jay Crowder, that's not really what he is. I would say he's probably closer to like a Cam Johnson level of defender and a guy who can create his own shot. I mean, that's a valuable player, but it's not like people I feel like are talking about Jeremy Grant as if he's, I mean, I don't even know a comparison, like, you know, equivalent to like a Pascal Siakam or like an all-star caliber player. He's not that. So I don't love that one. I know it sounds weird because the the caliber of players is lower with a a deal like the Spurs, but Hollinger knows his stuff. He knows the value stuff. He seems to think the Suns could get quite a bit in a sign-in trade, Um, maybe because he is hearing that it's likely to happen. His brain is making the connection of like, okay, well, if they're going to do it, it's going to be because they get something. So maybe he's kind of increasing the value side of things from the other team. With that in mind, I don't really know. I don't think the trade stuff, again, is really reporting from Hollinger. I think that part is sort of guessing. Um, also, I'm trying to give that stuff to you guys because it's at The Athletic and there's a paywall. If you don't pay for the subscription there, you're not going to be able to see this stuff. So that's those are the two that he throws out. The other last thing here is, if anything, I feel like this nugget, this sort of halfway report thing shows us that Hollinger is not exactly plugged in with the Suns. <clears throat> That'll be my closing thought. And I don't want to invalidate the whole thing here by any means. I told you guys all of the reasons I think it's legit and, and how I'm sort of adding it to the the body of evidence here. But the thing that threw me about the way that it's it's worded is he referenced Sarver, references Sarver multiple times and you know the idea that Sarver's is cheap and this and that as sort of like why the Suns, one of the reasons the Suns might be considering moving on from Aiton. It's like, oh, they don't want to pay him. First of all, I've told you guys that Sarver has paid the tax. I think that he's prepared to do it for this team. But the bigger thing than any of that is the dude might not be the one making those decisions. And that felt a little bit uh, strange to, to read from Hollinger on the same day that, or around the same time, that Adam Silver himself indicated the league investigation might be coming to a close and, and a report be released soon. And then also you have like Bill Simmons on his podcast and, and a couple of others sort of talking around that possibility. I talked last week about how it makes perfect sense that it's going to drop after the finals are over, before the draft, so that the Suns or the NBA itself actually can get it under the rug a little bit. They don't want the bad PR. If this whether it's an honor being an owner being forced out or any anything short of that, it's a blemish on the league. It's an ugly thing. Somebody did bad stuff who runs one of your organizations. So they're probably gonna drop it around that time. Hollinger doesn't seem to be aware of that and still is resorting to this kind of outdated, silly, oh, you know, server's cheap, this blah, blah, blah. Like it's another indication that this felt very, let me toss this out as a thought way more than like, this is not Woj or Shams or somebody like that. So I lean toward, it doesn't, it doesn't change my thinking a ton. It reinforces where I already was, which is that this is probably like a 40% chance of happening, a 40% chance that he leaves. Maybe I'm still at a 60% chance that he stays just because that tends to be the most likely thing. But 40 is big for a former number one overall pick, a final, a, a big time contributor on a finals team. Like I was already there. So this just kept me there, maybe reinforced it. Maybe I was at 35%. Now I'm at 40. Like that's sort of where I am, but this is not like, all right, pencil it in. We're going to start talking DeAndre and trades every day. This thing's done. He's gone. Pack his house up. Send his kid to the next city. It's over. Like, I'm not there. More to come for sure. This reporting is not slowing down. I love talking about this stuff. This offseason is going to be crazy. So hit subscribe, hit follow wherever you're listening or watching. I'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day now. Go make Locked On NBA Big Board your second listen today to catch up on all things draft.